Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, it's the fourth and final Grand Slam tournament of 2021, and we seem to have been combining the various positions that we've been in at all the other pandemic Grand Slam tournaments for recording tennis podcasts. We've got Catherine and Matt in position in Tennis Podcast Towers, a la Wimbledon, and we've got me in the Salford Hotel Room, a la everything else. I haven't got any... It's a it's a pandemic podcast greatest hits medley. <laughs> Are we allowed to call it tennis podcast towers if David's not here? Oh, that's like oh. that sort of tree falling in the forest thing, isn't it? it? Billie Jean is as truly and utterly ecstatic as she was when uh, when she caught sight of Matt for the first time. She does now have a look about her of when's the tall one coming. <laughs> Yeah, well, I feel similarly. What can I say? Um, but uh, yeah, I do miss it. Blimey, it's lovely there, isn't it? Look at that. Oh, I should be sitting right there on your left side, Catherine, eating Deliveroo. Wait anyway. till the wait till the snack delivery comes. <laughs> it, it may or may not come actually during this recording. <laughs> so right. you might see a parade of snacks literally being delivered before your eyes. I can't wait. I've had I've had my chocolate bar. And I'm sat here with my cup of tea. And I'm ready to talk about tennis. Those curtains are very evocative. Aren't they? They're the, the, the Pavlovian equivalent of you know, the tennis podcast. Sort of, They make me want to make stupid predictions, just the sight of them. <laughs> in a Pavlovian way. Well, I've just done, I've just done my quarterfinals. And um, yeah, I, th- I think, I think that, that, that I'm keeping up form here in this hotel room is all I can say. Um, the US Open's about to start tomorrow, which means nightly editions of the tennis podcasts. Uh, it means morning newsletters being sent out, um, put together by Matt with a daily prediction, with his stat, with pictures of our lovely mascot, Francis. Uh, we've got loads of stuff coming your way, and uh, Catherine's going to be presenting live telly on Prime Video from what time tomorrow is it, Catherine? 3.30, is it? 3.30 p.m. UK time. Oh, mm. 
It's going to be, it's going to be, a, and it's a cracking couple of days. We'll go through the order of play a little bit later. But I mean, it is, I don't know whether I just always say this because I'm excited about a new Grand Slam, but it really does feel like a heck of an order of play, particularly given who's not at the tournament. That's, that's what's really struck me is that there are so many players that are, that should be in it based on everything we've ever known about tennis at the top level in the past few years. But even without them, it looks really, really good. Uh, I'm going to be commentating on BBC Radio 5 Live Sports Extra here in the UK. We come on air tomorrow um, at around about 5 o'clock UK time, um, which uh, which is about an hour into play starting. Uh, and then we'll be... I, I think they're trying to sort of move me in gently, Catherine, because, you know... I, I, you know, I run out of gas on the first day, 10, 10 to... <laughs> a 5pm start. Yeah. So maybe it's weather-related, like in Umeg, you know, with the heat. Mm. Yeah, it was... It was. Uh, well, I was in for, for rehearsal t- today at, uh, at the Amazon Studios and um, I was watching feeds coming down of various different practice sessions from various different courts and the it, it occasionally the graphic pops up with the conditions and it was 21 degrees uh this was at about 1 p.m local time and 81 percent humidity oh my word Oof. which is a very s- strange mm. uh, meteorological situation really muggy and sticky but not actually not actually that warm but i imagine it's a relief um Compared to what it has been the past few days, I mean, the qualifying was played in some brutal conditions by uh, by the looks of things. So, I- I'm sure you'd take bizarre over unbearable. Mm, yeah, there was no qualifying today. The qualifying was all concluded yesterday, was it? Yesterday, I think it was. Um, and uh, yeah, there's some some good results there that are going to make for interesting players that have been added to the draw from a British perspective. We've got three women in the main draw through the qualifying for the first time ever, I believe. And uh, some good stories um, with uh, Katie Bolter and Harriet Dart and young Ed Emma Raducanu coming through in the most difficult, heavy, stifling-looking conditions. I mean, that's the thing about New York, isn't it? it? You can get what you've just described, 21 degrees and humidity, and you can get days where Catherine's holding a an air-conditioning unit. I mean... Nellie, Nellie. to give it her full name. Correct. Oh, mm. she might... She might be with someone else this year. <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, Katie Bolter's win in in qualifying was looking so unlikely, wasn't it? Because of those conditions, I think she was really struggling in them. She was playing Kukshova. She won the first set, lost the second set. The heat rule was in effect. She went off at the end of the second set and we were messaging and we really thought, she would struggle to even make it through that match. Went went down a break at the start of the third set and just did so well to keep in touch. You know, while she was really struggling physically, she only kept it at one break down and then had a bit of a second win towards the end and really hit her way through. And yeah, that's a it's a fantastic win from her. And that and that means five British women in the main draw, which is the first time at a slam other than Wimbledon since the 1992 Australian Open that there have been that many British women in the main draw. And it's the first time at the US Open since 1987. So, you know, British women's tennis is is in a pretty 
good place at the moment in terms of lots of lots of players in this draw. And especially given how many of those are at the start of the, the relatively at the start of their mm. careers. I mean, obviously Radicanu being being by far the youngest. And I really, th- I, 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 I lived that match through you two, who I think watched some, if not all, of it between you. Um, and I just think it's, I think it's really massive for her that she won. She won through that match. You know, she had to retire in an event on North American hard courts due to heat exhaustion just a couple of weeks ago to to win through one of the biggest matches of her career you know the the, the biggest match of her career Maya Sharif in the final round of of qualifying you know big, biggest match of her career outside of this year's Wimbledon run in those conditions which were just horrifying by the sounds of things it's it's a real marker of progress kind of before your eyes and and you know amazing to be 18 and for progress to happen that quickly you know within the space of two two weeks I'm not saying you know she'll never struggle with heat and humidity ever again but that must just feel like such a a personal triumph for her she's put it together well hasn't she because the talent is clear but she's gone out there and built herself some some grit and stamina reserves in order to to get through these types of conditions because the 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 sort of thing you were describing with Katie Bolter she had that look when she was sitting down towards the end of the second set and they took the heat break where players start to look a little bit delirious they Mm. there's a sort of weight on you with that heat it's different heat really to to certain other parts of the world and you've experienced it Catherine in in various different roles at that tournament whether it's sort of you know, difficulty breathing, you can't really fill your lungs, can you, sometimes? And if you, there's just no real escape from it. Um, so to come through and also Radicano, yeah, I mean, I just think if you, if you can play like that with that sort of freedom, and she came out, she blitzed everybody. I mean, Mar- Maya Sharif is a good player uh, who's, who's playing the best stuff of her career, and Radicano now faces jennifer brady in the first round of the u.s open which would, would you like to repeat your tweet which almost made a big prediction about that match david but just stop short to it to allow to, to to cover yourself i'm happy to complete the prediction and, Go on, then. Uh, and, and state that emma adekana will beat jennifer brady who has not finished i think about three of her tournaments in in recent months because of injury I think if you put them, if you put last year's Brady up against this year's Raducanu, Brady would win. But I don't think Brady is that player right now. I don't think she's that athlete. And Jennifer Brady's loss will be David Law's predictions game. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I do feel like Jennifer Brady could be a tough player to face for the first time. I've no idea whether the whether her head to heads with other players bear that out. But it feels like she hits a very different ball to a lot of the other players. And it, it, I think it's probably an adjustment, especially that forehand loaded with topspin. So I think if Raducanu can get to grips with that, and look, she, she seems to be pretty adaptable and getting to grips with most things at the moment, I think that, that could be a key for her. And as just as your slightly vague tweet said, David, this is, this is a good time to be playing Jennifer Brady. That was, that was essentially the takeaway, wasn't it? Jennifer Brady, the start of the year... Different story, but this yeah. one now 
it's probably if she, and and if she can get through it, you then are in the position of a seed in the draw. So it could end up being a good draw if she can win it. And yeah, I think I'm with you, David. I think what is it Andy Roddick says? He always takes the confident player. If he he really values confidence and. Raducanu's got that and Brady doesn't at the moment. And it's on a show court and she generally rises to, to that occasion, doesn't she? It's Yeah, it's going to be played on Armstrong on, on Tuesday. Yeah, awesome. And, and I, I think, that I mean, obviously part of that is she's playing an American that reached a Grand Slam final this year. But I also think part of it is that Raducanu has had cut through internationally. She wasn't just a British story. OK, it wasn't quite to the extent of Coco Goff, but I think... American tennis fans will know about Emma Raducanu and she has contributed to that court billing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know that Andy Roddick line came into my thinking whilst doing the predictions about half an hour ago for the for the quarterfinals? And uh, the reason it came into my thinking, I don't, I don't think it's resulted in me actually picking anything of note, but it came into my thinking... Um, <laughs> But the reason I thought about it was because of the tournament results that we've just had. Uh, in Winston-Salem, for instance, where Ilya Ravashka has just won the tournament, and it's not just that he's won it. I mean, he, he beat Marin Cilic in three sets early on, and then he, he's gone and beaten... did not win today, no. uh, he, he then beat Jan Lennard Struff 6-2, 6-1. He beat Pablo Carina Buster in two sets. He beat Emil Rissavori 6-2, 6-1. And then he's beaten Mikhail Imer 6-love, 6-2. That's not normal behaviour, is it? Those are not normal tour results. That's not normal for anyone. It's very not normal for Ilya Ivashka. No. He's definitely having the, having the having the year of his life, he isn't is. he? I can't reel off the exact uh, evidence for that, but I know that I've said his name this year mm. more than any other. I remember he got a set off Nadal on clay. I think, I oh think that might have been in Barcelona. He, he took wow. Federer close at... at Haller or Stuttgart on grass, didn't he? And he beat Zverev somewhere. So yeah, he's he's had he's had results for sure. I've got him nowhere near my quarterfinals. I should add. <laughs> um, to be honest, I don't even know who he plays. But anyway, I thought I'm, I, the reason I mentioned the, the form over experience thing uh, and confidence over experience thing was Svitolina beating Elise Cornet in uh, the Chicago tournament today, and also Annette Contevate beating Irina Camelia Begu in the Cleveland final, which incidentally we've had a lot of correspondence over in terms of uh, where the land comes from. And uh, apparently it's, uh, it's, it's a long story. But anyway, more recently, LeBron James has been using it as part of his reference points for his return to the land with Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, so there we are. Uh, but anyway, Contevate and... Svitolina briefly had positions in my quarterfinals until I changed my mind. So, there we are. <laughs> You're up to date. <laughs> Did you see the trophies that uh, Svitolina and Corne were given? I say trophies. I mean, more like fruit bowls. I mean, really, <laughs> they need to up their trophy game. That's all I'm saying. Lovely tournament, of, I'm sure. I quite often enjoy a slightly weeks, offbeat trophy. For example, the animals. The yeah, animals they were, this they year. were great. A lot of thought went into those. Yeah. No, okay, right. <laughs> uh, I'll look into them. Okay. No, I mean, I can't say I'm exactly some sort of um, knowledgeable 
point of reference where trophies are concerned. But just anyway, you, just cast your aesthetic eye over it, David. Okay, I, I, I haven't got one of those, but I'll I'll borrow one. Um, now about Djokovic's road to the Grand Slam. Should we have a look at that as part of our draw preview here? Uh, which is, I mean, that's the main story from a tennis perspective, isn't it, on the well, men's side? Well, you we'll, say that, but we've managed to talk in depth about Ilya Ivashka before even mentioning Novak Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> but Ivashka doesn't appear to feature in Matt Roberts's Road to the Grand Slam for Novak Djokovic. So round one is a qualifier, Holger Rune. And he's in very good form. I mean, he? he's he's not only qualified, he's also won... I think back-to-back challenger titles. I think I read he's on a 13-match winning streak. He's, a, he's mean, a former junior number one, isn't he? And he's been at the O2 as a as a hitting partner. Mm. Um, I, I, he's I think a Moratoglu. He's, he's a Moratoglu. There's been a, a, a cloud over him of late, hasn't there? Because mm. uh, he, I, th- I think he ad- admitted uh, to saying a homophobic slur on court and apologised apologised for it. So I think that needs mentioning. But he is young and hopefully he has learnt the error of his ways. Um, but I think, I, I dare I say in light of recent chat, but I think he is a very confident young man. Yes, mm. I think that would be fair. I, it, I think it's very similar to Djokovic's Jack Draper draw in the first round of Wimbledon. You know, that sort of profile of player. Uh, yeah, he's on a 13-match winning streak, which is almost certainly going to end against Novak Djokovic, but it's probably his first real big stage moment to kind of show what he's made of a little bit. The, the gist I'm getting, and I didn't go in Novak Djokovic's press conference. That, that's the snacks, David. <laughs> Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. 
That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. I get, I get the gist that Novak Djokovic is feeling pretty fresh, which I, I think is probably what Catherine and Matt are going to feel after they've eaten the the amount of snacks that they've just come through the door. Um, but um, not as fresh as Novak Djokovic sounded, certainly in his press conference after a month off following the Olympics. And I mean, my my feeling was that he sounded really bullish, really positive, that he's going to take this on, embrace the challenge, not try and pretend it's not happening and yeah I mean he's got to do them them one at a time but there doesn't seem to be any doubt in him really Matt is that is that what the gist you're getting yeah he wasn't playing it down was he I mean it's kind of impossible to play it down but he you know he said the words this is probably my last chance to win the calendar grand slam I'm fully aware of that I hope I'm going to win lots more slams in the future but to do this specific thing it's not quite now or never, but it it's it's now uh, for sure, and it sort of feels like all of Novak Djokovic's career has been building to this point. In terms of he's now the guy. Nadal's not here. Federer's not here. He's going for something which no man has done since Rod Laver, and he's and he's taking that on, and he and he's really aware of their absence as well, and he's aware that all eyes are going to be on him and the expectation is on him and he and he's sort of looking to embrace that I think for sure where does he feature Catherine do you feel within your coverage Uh, a British broadcaster um, covering this story and obviously a lot of British players around but but how big a deal does this feel to you yeah and look in terms of the men's tournament it is it is the Djokovic story and then the story of the rest of the tournament. In terms, once you bring the women's into it, it's that makes it a, a rather different kettle of fish because you've got okay, you haven't got the one standout story on on the women's side like Novak Djokovic going for the calendar slam. That the now or never element to it just makes it an irresistible story. I think it just raises the stakes, doesn't it? But but you do have arguably a more exciting tournament overall because it is that much more open. So for for, for some people, the Djokovic story um, will be a negative for them because they like a competitive tournament. They like a total, maybe not total lottery, but they, they like the feeling of there being lots of different contenders. But some will also be really drawn in by this this sort of Lord of the Rings style quest that Novak Djokovic is on. So, yeah, I think it it depends whether you're talking about the whole US Open in general. I mean, I think there are, yeah, it's not, it's not eclipsing all else, put it that way. It's not. It's not Serena in 2015. Yeah, it's, look, it's, it's on all the headlines, it's top of the headlines, but it's not it's not that story against the field, as it were. No. I think for me, I will go out of my way this tournament to watch Djokovic in the first week in, in a way that I didn't really do at Wimbledon. Now, part of that is because, you know, this is the final leg of this pursuit and... You know, we've just done Serena Vinci. Anything can happen when he's going for this much history. 
you don't want to miss the match where where he's struggling or it's the one where he's got to battle through. I, I expect a lot of them will still be fairly routine Novak Djokovic wins and I might switch off after a couple of sets and, you know, just keep an eye on it. But I I feel uh I feel it's necessary to watch his matches this week, this tournament, just in case something happens and it's got me really hooked on this tournament in a way for the men's side in a you know missing so many big names as we are i think it's i think it's cool that we have this storyline yeah no it's really cool um right well let's have a little look at, it, at the rest of his draw he could play struff in the second round it could be goffan or nishikori or mackenzie mcdonald in round three um and then the the more the bigger threats come thereafter Maybe Aslan Karatsev in round four, or Taylor Fritz, or Alex Dimonor, and then the bigger hitters, Hubert Urkacz or Matteo Berrettini in the quarterfinals, perhaps Alexander Zverev in the semis, and then Medvedev, Tsitsipas are the most likely finalists. Um, mm. I don't think it's I, too I, bad, really. I think it's a g- good draw, basically, because Medvedev and Tsitsipas are on on the other side of it. Um, Karatsev's really faded this this second half of the season. I don't see Dominor challenging him. I mean, just, yeah, the, the the names that you realistically on paper could think could challenge him. And I know, you know, having studied Serena Vinci as we have, it's almost certainly his biggest test will come against somebody that is not mentioned in this podcast. But on paper, at least, his two biggest threats are in the other side of the draw. And that is a good thing. Mm. Yeah, right. Well, let's have a look at the uh, the rest of the men's highlights in the first round. And really, I mean, the, the absolute lead is Andy Murray against Stefanos Tsitsipas. And when that came out of the draw, and we... we, Ooh, sh- we should we talk about the coming out of the draw? Yeah, I mean, it didn't come out of the draw. It was revealed. It was one of those. I, and I mean... it was worse than that because it was revealed... <laughs> um, <laughs> In the most comical manner, because we were advised that uh, if we deigned to sufficiently retweet the US Open's um, teaser, we might get a US Open draw revealed to us. And uh, that would have required 5,000 retweets, so US Open, um, at US Open told us, and they got about 1,300. And they still revealed the draw, so that was... uh, yeah, because you can't just was, keep the you can't be playing the tournament without the draw having been made public. I mean, just one of the more awkward and humiliating starts to a tournament <laughs> that I can remember. We've had some rough draws. They went ceremonies. full Rita Ora before the tournament <laughs> even started. Uh, but anyway, Andy Murray against Stefanos Tsitsipas came out. I mean, Murray has not had a great deal of luck, has he, with his draws in? recent times and I mean if he's not been injured he's he's ended up facing really really difficult people over the last couple of years it seemed um, and to, to face the third seed a guy who he's never played before which uh, which is interesting and he does like playing these young players and I think the main positive is that he he seems upbeat about his own fitness just at the moment I mean he wasn't particularly optimistic about his form relatively speaking he feels like he should be playing better tennis than he is right now but he wasn't complaining of any any ill health in his press comments and that that was music to the ears really because he 
it, it struck me thinking back to that 2017 exhibition match she played against Roger Federer in Glasgow that I that I attended and at that time Murray looked pretty much finished and and it was nigh unconfirmed to us that he was going to be finished over a year later in that Australian Open press conference here he is four years on nearly and Roger Federer who looked fantastic that night and who just won Wimbledon he's basically finished and Andy Murray's still having a go (laughs) still looking all right (laughs) How is this happening? But, I don't know, Sitsipas, second on, Arthur Ashe Stadium Court on day one. Catherine, do you feel an upset in the air? And by an upset, I mean a Murray win. I don't, no. I think Sitsipas is going going to win that. Um, but I, I think it could be m- closer than... You know, Murray against Auger Eliassime at last year's US Open or Murray against Warinka at, at the French Open a couple of years. You know, some of the sort of awkward Murray coming up against really good player in good form encounters mm. that, we, that we've seen in the last few years. I don't anticipate it being awkward. I could even anticipate it being more than more than three sets and it being, you know, like in a like in a run chase in, in cricket. There's always a moment where it feels like it might be possible, um, even when it's not. I, I, f- I feel like that could happen with this. Yeah, and I think those matches you mentioned, and I, I'd also throw in the Shapovalov one at Wimbledon mm. this year, which was sort of the last time we saw Murray really take on a top player in a big match. They were all affected by the matches that had come before for Mm. Murray and he was physically pretty spent. So perhaps there is a case you can make that actually the first round might be the best possible look he's got physically at getting to Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas has never performed that well at the US Open. I think he's never been beyond the third round. He's still yet to prove that he likes these conditions. I'm still taking Tsitsipas for the win but I think you can build that up as another moment you know Mary's talked about wanting more moments wanting to match his game up I think I think there is a way to look at this draw as an okay draw for Mary obviously it's a tough one but the conditions might be there that he can challenge and we haven't really seen him challenge a top player at a slam. I, I, also, I also think it could be really good fun because I think Andy Murray is going to deploy everything he can, which means getting under the occasionally very teenage skin mm-hmm. of Stefano Tsitsipas. I really think he's going to try and bring out the the immaturity in him and mm. really get to him, which has which has cost him matches recently. It has. Um, and... Yeah, <laughs> Murray's going to press that button and it's going to be really good fun, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's something in that. Um he he is looking forward to it. That much is clear. He's looking forward to the challenge, seeing where he is. It's a good way to find out. Um and yeah, it's the scene of course of his first ever Grand Slam singles title 9 years ago, which uh whew, God, imagine like imagine that way. Andy Murray up against Sitsipas. Yeah. You know, that that would be uh, just a brilliant match. Such such creative players, you know. I, I think we're going to 
end up having missed a lot of Andy Murray versus XYZ players and Sitsipas is one of them. You know, Murray should, if his body was, was still, you know, mm. healthy, he, he would have had a little rivalry with Sitsipas mm, over the last few years. Medvedev, you know, we've mm. missed out on that. And um, we get a little taste of it tomorrow. Mm. Well, I look forward to it. Um, a few other highlights from the first round. Taylor Fritz against Alex Dimonor. Fabio Fanini against Vasek Pospisil, Shardy Berrettini. This, these are just good, solid matches bet- which could sort of go either way, it seems to me, like Hachinov against um, Lloyd Harris. These are people that have just had good runs. They're established players. I don't think I'll necessarily be stopping what I'm doing to watch all of them from first ball to last. You know, probably well, I'd... What you- what you'll be doing, David, is being paid to watch a lot of them from first yeah. ball to last. So yes. you're in uh, you're in luck. So thanks, tennis podcast listeners, for uh, <laughs> encouraging that. Uh, Roberto Bautista, good against Nick Kyrgios, though, will be what we we've got on probably tomorrow night when we're recording this show. Which uh, I mean, Kyrgios is having a, a rough time, isn't he? He's not playing well at all. He's not winning matches. He seems a bit rudderless right now, even more than normal. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, a- appealing for for hitting partners on on Twitter, sort of five days out from a slam, not even specifying any credentials or qualifications required for the role. Just literally anyone that's available or time, yeah, or location. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not necessarily an indicator of being in a in a great place, um, but. There's there's never any logic really to any to any pull something out of the bag, is there? So who's to say he won't this time? But mm. I, I fear against somebody as professional as Roberto Bautista, it could just be a really flat. Um, he's also very hard to to paint as the villain, Roberto. But he's sort of been forced into the villain role a few times, hasn't he? Obviously, most notably at the Australian Open against Andy Murray, and he just he just won't do it. <laughs> Just, they're, they're trying just the best, too aren't damn they? nice. They're sticking it on as a night match. They're trying to make, yeah. and they're not putting it on Ash. They're putting it on the more yeah. sort of intimate arena. They're doing the best. <laughs> um, yes. Stop trying to make Kyrgios happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, a couple of other good ones here. Cameron Norrie against Carlos Alcaraz. I think they'll have to be scraping those two off the court at the end of that match. Uh, and I really like the idea of Casper Ruud against Joe Wilfred Songa. Feels like two eras of tennis player just mm. clashing. Um, and and um, also Ivo Karlovic against Andre Rublev. Oh. Ivo Karlovic, who's qualified, and I think Nadal would say he's forty-two and a half. <laughs> um, and I think he's the oldest man to play a Grand Slam since Ken Rosewall. And he's drawn Rublev in the first round. And Rublev has lost twice to Isner this year, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, so in fact, I, he's I think, never beaten Isner. Yeah. I think he's got a 3-0 and head-to-head. So he, he struggles against Isner. So let's see how he copes with Karlovic to serve. I could imagine him Can you imagine his reaction like when he saw that draw? <laughs> oh. Fuming. Just, just a permanent state of fuming. <laughs> Uh, okay, and uh, finally in Matt's little uh, rundown, we've got Richard Gasquet, who seems to be in decent form at the moment up against Daniel Medvedev. So, uh, mm. yeah, 
Medvedev's progress will be fascinating again throughout the, the course of the tournament based on his latest meltdown, won't it? Uh, to see whether he can just sort of hold it together. Um, the uh, the women's draw is just so much more interesting, just so much more stacked with names and players that I do want to stop and watch um, is my immediate reaction. And when we were doing the, the predictions before coming on air tonight I was really struggling I changed my mind quite a few times about who was going through into these quarterfinals um, and I mean even when you look at the first round you've got Carolina Bukova against uh, Sara Saribes Tormo you've got uh, Sevastova Siniakova Ostapenko Podoroska Camilla Georgie against Simona Halep mm, she can't catch a break in New York Halep can she no. no, and that's the sort of player she's lost to in New yeah. York before. She's lost to Kanepi, hasn't she, in the past? Mm-hmm. And Sharapova, the big mm. hitters. So, um, yeah, it's just a really horrible draw, mm. and we don't really know yeah. how she is physically either. I don't think there's a lot mm. of confidence in Simona Hallett physically in this tournament. She's she's had some real struggles having this comeback from that injury that she sustained in Rome. Dare I say this massive aggro alert on Angelique Kerber against Diana Yastremska? Just because of Diana Yastremska? Well, and because Kerber just won't have it, you know? Yeah, we need no. Kerber from the. Don't think Kerber gets drawn in, though. She passive aggressively puts something on Twitter several hours later. That's, <laughs> that's her aggro. I think she's quite good at the old eye roll as well. Mm. Well, if, I respect uh, that. I respect that a lot. If it comes to but it. But I don't know. I think. I think I think of her as an agro agro dampener rather than an agro creator. She's not going to go and rise above or something like that, is she? I think she might try. Okay, <laughs> all right. Um, Matt put as an afterthought Maria Sakkari against Marta Kostyuk, which uh, is actually yes. quite a good match. I think he well, ran Matt, out of space. You haven't talked about Marta Kostyuk in a while, Matt. We're talking about her now. <laughs> She got into the conversation in the second tweet of the thread. Um, mm. Madison Keys against Sloane Stevens starts the US Open. I mean, it ended the US Open about four years ago. Yeah, that that, that is an it, amazing first round match. It does make me it, a little is bit it sad. sad. Yeah, I, uh, my first re- reaction to that draw was, "Oh, that's brilliant," and then it slowly then, dawned on me. That yeah, it's I got this feeling sad. in the pit of my stomach. It, yeah, they shouldn't be meeting in the first no. round. You know, I think they they have the look. There's a lot of players with the game and the potential to be you know meeting regularly in the second week, and they can't all be. That's just the depth of women's tennis at the moment. But those two are too good for one of them to be going out of the first round of the U.S. Open. And and it's not like you know they've 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 just had a momentary dip because of injury or illness and they're they're both sort of on the upward trajectory back to where they belong they seem to have just sort of leveled out at this ranking outside of the seeded positions um that's what's sad i think um that that you don't sort of yeah your reaction isn't oh but neither of them are where they belong because Mm. they i suppose the rankings don't lie and i mean i i hope it'll be well, more enjoyable than the 2017 final, anyway, because that was it was a bit of a dud. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be quite interesting the atmosphere because that'll be first up, so it's a midday match, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I, I wonder who 
America will get behind in the stadium for that match. And uh, I, I, I hope it's good because you're right. I do think that that is it is a bit sad to think of this rivalry that was a Grand Slam final taking place in the first round. But, you know, um, it, it'll probably be good tennis. That much is uh, for sure. Um, a couple of things that came out of the the press conferences over the weekend or over the last couple of days. Andy Murray was in yesterday. And uh, aside from talking about how he was feeling, he was also asked by Mike Dixon of the Daily Mail about his view on the news that I think less than 50% of the tour players are believed to have been vaccinated. And uh, he was asked whether Murray thinks that is sustainable, particularly given on the same day the US Open announced that every ticket holder attending the tournament needed to be vaccinated and there isn't the same requirement um, from the actual players and uh, Murray as is is pretty typical was was quite happy to to, to talk about that and to to give a, a very full and measured answer yeah he said over the next few months things are probably going to end up changing quite a bit I know the conversations with regards to the Australian Open are already happening the players that have been vaccinated are going to potentially be able to have very different conditions to those who are not Um, he, he talks about himself and how he's able to lead a pretty normal existence for instance in New York and and he's got a lot more freedom than those that are not vaccinated and he says ultimately i guess the reason why all of us are getting vaccinated is to look out for the wider public we have a responsibility as players that are traveling across the world to look out for everyone else as well i'm happy that i'm vaccinated i'm hoping that more players choose to in the coming months um it's it's a message that's not really getting across to to that many um and i mean it's it's a valid point, isn't it? Because those are the tournaments. It's going to become more and more of a requirement, you would think, as time goes on. I certainly hope so. I mean, I've, I find it galling um, that at this tournament, uh, fans are required to be double vaccinated in order to attend. My understanding is that staff, uh, those that are accredited to be on site, uh, have to show proof of double vaccination in order to be physically present on site, the only people who don't have to be double vaccinated to be there are the players. And they are the ones for whom special dispensation is being made for them to be there. Special allowances are being made for these elite athletes to travel across the world. They incur greater risk of spreading the virus to a wider number of people numerically and geographically and everything associated with that in terms of variants etc it is more vital in my view that they are vaccinated than anybody else um and it would be utterly galling to me if i were a, a staff member that for for health reasons was unable to be vaccinated let's say i don't know i don't know if those people are are exempt from the vaccination rule, but being put at risk by, frankly, selfish and hubristic tennis players who are... uh, I know that those that haven't had the vaccine, it falls into lots of different categories. There are some that are categorically anti-vax on principle and there are some that feel like 
Tsitsipas does seemingly sort of, well, I'm all right, Jack. I'm young and healthy and a fit athlete, so why should I bother? Um, which, as I said when we were talking about those quotes from Tsitsipas at the time, is at this stage of the pandemic, an unforgivably ignorant and selfish point of view. And yeah, Andy Murray summed that up brilliantly. He got the vaccine to protect other people. Um, and that's all there is to it, really. So I certainly hope so. I hope the tours will be will be putting a rule in place. And I know some people think that it's not the jurisdiction of the tours. Well, the tours are asking countries and governments, local authorities to make exceptions for their athletes to be able to travel. You know, it is not currently... Matt and I couldn't travel to New York to go to a Bruce Springsteen concert despite being double vaccinated, for example. And that is obviously heartbreaking and we'll cry ourselves to sleep tonight. Um, But I get it. I get it. But special, special exemptions are made for elite athletes to be able to travel to New York. Um, Yeah. And it's a it's a completely unsatisfactory situation at the moment, in my view. Hmm. Um, and the other talking point um, and subject that came up in press conferences that uh, that we need to talk about is, or at least update you on, is a, a second article that came out this week written by Ben Rothenberg on the Slate website. And it's detailed the second series of allegations of domestic abuse by Alexander Zverev uh, by, his, uh, by his former girlfriend, uh, Olya Sharipova. Uh, in it, Sharipova said that the abuse that had been detailed in Racket magazine late last year, in which she described events that she said had taken place during the US Open and Labour Cup in 2019, that those incidents were followed in Shanghai in late 2019 by what she alleged were another series of incidents, and she described them in harrowing detail. Uh, Zverev then released a statement the following day on his social media accounts that read as follows. I've engaged my German and American lawyers in the matter. They have already obtained a preliminary injunction against the source and the author who published the false allegations. The court followed our arguments and states the accusations aroused are defamatory and false. The lawyers have therefore initiated further proceedings against the source and the author. I categorically and unequivocally deny having abused Olya. I also fully support the creation of an ATP domestic violence policy. I will not address this matter any further. However, the following day, it did come up in the press conference that he attended. He was uh, he was one of the first uh, players into the press conference the next day. And he was asked in that press conference um, about this situation, about this article, um, and... He said he was asked whether he knew it was coming out and 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 how he felt about it, and uh, he answered, "No, I've always said that the allegations and everything that has been said is untrue. The court confirmed that, so there's nothing else to say from my side because, as I said, the court confirmed that it's untrue. There's nothing more I can say towards that now, Tomani Cariol then asked him. To clarify what he meant, he said, you just said earlier that the court confirmed the allegations against you were wrong. I want to clarify exactly what you say the court confirmed. As far as I'm aware, you haven't had any trial 
or anything like that. Also in your statement, you said you'd be happy for the ATP to have a domestic violence policy. Would you be willing for them to investigate themselves and speak to you about it? Zverev replied, well, what do you mean? We didn't go to trial. If the court confirmed it, they confirmed it. There's nothing else I can say. Also, I've actually asked the ATP the past six months to have something. It's going to get sorted in these kinds of situations. I think it's good that the ATP is kind of renewing their rules a little bit because they've been there since the 80s and nothing has been changed. But regarding my topic, I think my statement has been very clear. There's nothing else I can say or there's nothing else to say because I've said everything. Um, it's very confusing what, uh, what what he's saying there about about a court because... As far as I'm aware, it's not confusing. It's un- untrue. I mean, the court hasn't said anything really about anything. There's been no trial, no investigation, and he's claiming to have been exonerated in a court. I, I genuinely don't understand what he's talking about there. Hmm. It's yeah. It is. It has been referred to as as you know whatever you think about the allegations and and the public nature of them, etc what what he said yesterday it, it isn't true and he reiterated it several times in that statement um and it, it didn't go unchallenged as you said david Tamani did challenge it but it's worrying isn't it that that you know it that's that's kind of the culture that we live in now that truth truth is open to interpretation worryingly mm. so it's in, yeah and whether he just misunderstands, I, I, don't, I have no idea. But uh, anyway, that's uh, that's what he said. Um, just a, a couple of other things. There's a really good piece written by Simon Briggs on Naomi Osaka today, which um, I just found it really fascinating to 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 sort of and to, to read more from Naomi Osaka on her Twitter feed today. She put out another statement. She just seems to be trying to get a grip on and a grasp of of how she feels and who she is and where she where she stands in the world and what how she wants to come at life and and I really I'm really glad she's giving it that degree of thought and I really feel for her anyway I mean I, I, I she's such good news for the sport but she's also seems like a just a really decent human being who's trying her best to figure it all out. And um, and Simon's piece, I think, does a very good job of making clear that, you, that, that the situation that we were in earlier this year where she made her stand and it all blew up and everybody felt that they were pushed into to making a, a stance or taking a side or giving an absolute uh, definitive view on where they stood on it all, it's... It isn't like that, and I think that's we started to feel that as time went on. And um, yeah, I, I'm I'm really pleased that she's she's continuing to try to investigate her own views and state of mind and analyze it all. Um, and I, I'm I don't know I, I'm I don't know what this will mean for her tennis because I often think tennis players need to be so focused and tunnel visioned. And maybe she's going to be a player that has these these waves of momentum depending on, on where she is. But, uh, God, she's interesting to listen to. And, and, and I think for a lot of people, 
that follow her, that she'll probably do them an awful lot of good, really, the, uh, her whole story, don't you think? Yeah, and I think Simon's piece quoted Osaka as saying that she's not someone who can go on to court and just forget about everything that's going on in her life. And, in fact, she's someone who specifically at this tournament last year tied her tennis to her bigger goal and bigger purpose in life, which was wearing the masks and raising the awareness of police violence towards black people in the United States. And, therefore, given what she's told us about how she's feeling and... It's quite difficult, I think, to predict how she's going to get on at this tournament. I think Andrescu called her the face of hardcore tennis, which I thought was quite a quite a nice expression in terms of what Osaka has managed to achieve. And it's it's possible she will hit those heights because she's that good. I also think it's possible she might struggle. I, I really do not know what to expect from Naomi Osaka over these next two weeks. And I think I think she doesn't either. I think she's she's really taking it match by match at the moment and hopefully that will be a slightly, you know, sustainable approach for her as well. Where where is Pam Shriver put her in her predictions? <laughs> yeah, although we have copied Pam in the past and it and it's gone No, yes. It's gone wrong. Um <laughs> I don't have her in my quarterfinals. Hmm. But it's a packed draw. It's rammed. Yeah, she's in that section where there's a lot of inform or dangerous players, I think, aren't there in the in those first few rounds for her. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be fascinating to watch Osaka this tournament, and I hope we see lots of her, but I kind of wouldn't be surprised by whatever she does. Mm. I know that's like the vaguest thing of, uh, to say, but that feels like where we are with Osaka. Mm. Quite right. Right. Well, let's have a quick look at the uh, the order of play, shall we, for tomorrow? Because um, it, I mean, it, it really is a belter. I'm just so pumped. It starts at uh, twelve o'clock local time in Arthur Ashe Stadium. <laughs> really Madison. pleased the listeners get to experience that without the visual, because without the gritted teeth. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Uh, Madison Keys against Sloane Stevens starts things off. Then it's um, Andy Murray against Stefanos Tsitsipas. In the night session, it's Naomi Osaka against Maria Buskova, uh, followed by Richard Gasquet against Daniel Medvedev. Louis Armstrong has got Donna Vekic against Garbina Magarutha. Yes, please. Uh, 11 o'clock local time, 4 o'clock in the UK. And then John Isner against Brandon Nakashima. Coco Goff, who I've got going all the way, folks. Uh, is hang on what does all the way mean winning the title final okay we we need to have a discussion about all the way all right yeah okay. all the Later. way means to the trophy in okay. my view yeah okay Come but on. wow but wow final okay that is bold yeah. and who's uh, she losing to Barty. Uh, Louis Armstrong has got uh, Sabalenka Stojanovic in the first evening session match, followed by Kyrgios against Batista Rugut. 
the there's loads and loads of good matches on just uh stay across all this stuff and if you're in the uk you will be caring about court number 10, which starts with Dan Evans um, at the start of the day against Tiago Montero, then Heather Watson against Kaya Yuvan, Joe Conter against Kristina Mladenovic. So four Brits in a row because it finishes with Cameron Norrie against Carlos Alcaraz. Who's going to win that, Norrie or Alcaraz? Oh, crikey. Um, Norrie? Do you know... Three weeks ago, I would have said Norrie without hesitation, yeah. but he has struggled a little bit recently. And I think Alcaraz played well last week. I, I think possibly Alcaraz. Okay. Yeah, what he said. Yeah. Okay. All right then. Well, our US Open mascot is Francis the Cat, and uh, Drew and David own Francis the Cat, which is a marvelous uh, cat. And uh, we, we want a picture. Drew and David. So send us a photo, and we'll stick it in the newsletter. We which... would also like to know if Francis is named after anyone. Please. Oh, yes, please. Um, and we're going to put a picture in the newsletter, which will be going out every single morning of the US Open, put together by Matt and uh, sent out in the mornings with our prediction for the day. We'll be up against Daryl. Who else are we going to be taking on in the predictions over the course of the next couple of weeks, Matt? We've got Guillermo. Oh, go on, Guillermo, then, Guillermo. del Angel, who is going to be at the US Open. He, he's, he's based in Boston and he's going Brilliant. over to New York. And we have the famous Chris Albert Lee. Come on, Chris. Let's have it. I'm ready for you. <laughs> and uh, he, he did another face there, Chris. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we've got Scousel Mousel, Rogue, Zeus and Billie Jean King as the, uh, the people that are sponsoring us all. Um, so do tell your friends about the Tennis Podcast, which is going to be coming your way every single night of the US Open. And, uh, yeah, leave us an iTunes review. Catherine will be on the telly from 3.30 UK time uh, in on Amazon Prime Video. I'm going to be on the radio from 5. Matt's going to be watching everything, literally everything. Yeah, we're in, we're in eyes bugging out territory over the next <laughs> few days. Um, Billie Jean is going to help in multi-screen. Billie Jean is going to keep, keep me company. And I need to do a little teaser on this podcast to say that shout-outs are returning from tomorrow. Oh, excellent. We've, we've had a shout-out-less couple of months, but they're back. Can't wait. Doing my best David Law. <laughs> <laughs> Hype. <laughs> Hype man, Matt Roberts. Brilliant. <laughs> Okay, right. Well, go get some sleep, Catherine. Uh, Matt, go and get this podcast edited and let's put this newsletter together and get it out to everybody. <laughs> People can't wait. He's, he's giving us orders. I'm going to submit my, <laughs> newsletter, my, my predictions. I'll tell you, they're all going down. All of you. Um, I'm going to be on fire with these, these predictions. This is the one. What's going to happen, David, is you're going to burn out in about 14 hours if you keep this up. It's a very long two weeks. <laughs> Chill. David just told me that he's that he's brought extra painkillers with him Chill in anticipation of out. a burnout headache yeah. on day one. Definitely going to get headache on day one, halfway through commentary duties, because that always happens. But once I've had my headache tablets, I'm back. Right. Okay. We'll see you tomorrow. Get watching the tennis, folks. And get listening to us every single night. Bye. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.